Hey, everybody, it's your host, Felipe. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am with, well, I am back after a two-week hiatus. Not a hiatus, a vacation. So, so Hi, Felipe. Welcome hey, back. Felipe. Hey, Felipe, <laughs> welcome back. How's it going? Well, you heard that voice. That is Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? Oh, you know, we're here. Another lovely day to talk some baseball. Uh, my fantasy teams aren't doing off to the greatest start, but hey, it's still April. Anything can happen. I'm not stressing about it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about my teams either, so that I, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, the other, Our other host, our co-host, uh, is Austin Spiro. Austin, how are you doing this morning? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, baseball is back, so, you know, and it's in full swing, so I'm excited. My teams are pretty, you know what? I'm actually pretty happy all, all around. Uh, the three leagues that I got, I want to know. And then I'm 0 and 1 in the total bases champions league, but it was it was a it was a slugfest. Um, so I, I can't complain about it. And then um, in the Mardi Gras league, I'm I'm one and one. I actually got a win with the <laughs> crappy draft that I had. So Put it on the board. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't know yes. how many wins I'm gonna get, but I got one, so I'm not shut out. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I'm about to get my first win of the season in the Mardi Gras League. I'm fighting Jake Hibbert uh, in the uh, the podcast league the, the, uh, over at ESPN. I'm, uh, I'm just barely winning that game. And I'm getting blown out by the Step Back podcast. Uh, it was uh, Leon in the Monday through Thursday game. And now it's Jacob uh, in the Friday to Sunday game. So, oh. yeah, oh. I'm getting my asses whipped by the basketball podcast. So what does that say about us? They, they, Maybe they, they should be hosting here. They, they crossed you over and then stepped back on you. Like, damn, it's, just back to back, double move. Stumped me in the nuts. That's what they <laughs> did. So. But it's been a weird league. I mean, I, I saw Henry, uh, our fearless leader. Henry was also complaining that his players are not performing. So everybody's upset right now. So, but, uh, but uh, never fear. We are here for better or for worse to talk about. Hey, you know what? It's a little bit early for the pitchers, but let's talk about some hitters that might be available on the waiver wire. According to CBS Sports um, fantasy website, uh, I, as you know, Sean, I like using their website because the, I feel like, you know, you have to pay to play with those guys. It's not like a free league at Yahoo at ESPN where yeah. nobody takes it seriously at, at CBS. You got to take it seriously because you pay for it. And the idea with the idea is that if you pay for it, you'll take it more seriously. And I kind of like their, uh, their ownership rates there that they seem to be a little bit more on the nose for competitive leagues like ours. So we kick things started with Tyro Estrada, who has been playing every day. It seems like for the San Francisco giants, um, he qualifies at all types of positions. Let me see what, where, where does he qualify Tyro Estrada? He, he was like a former, another big favorite of Vince Mercandetti when he was with the Yankees. Cause he was like, uh, all, he was one of those always putting the balls in play and the Yankees right. were like, no, we don't do that here. And then they so, shipped him out. <laughs> so he qualifies at both uh, middle infield spots, second base and shortstop. He's been playing regularly. It seems like, let's see, according to roster resource, second yeah, base, every, yep. every day at second base, either batting six or seven. So uh, Sean, I ask you is at 37% ownership rate. Is he worth stashing despite the low batting averages and low on base percentages? I, I mean, he's one of those, it's a plus lineup. So he might just is basically like picking up the six or seven hitter of the Houston Astros several years ago, like Marwin Gonzalez. Like it might not be great, but he might be sneaky in terms of his runs and RBIs. Uh, he's already got 12 runs, nine RBIs. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a 250, 290 guy, 
but offense is down across the board. And the fact that he has a 255, 293, 400 slash line, that's 5% better than league average. That's just where offense is this year. Uh, so we got to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, he's a professional hitter. He's a, you know, a tough hitter. Uh, they played the Mets and he went to the opposite field a couple of different times in RBI situations. Uh, that San Francisco team is just, even though the Mets took three out of four from them, I can tell they're going to cause a lot of issues again this year. It's I don't think they were a fluke. I think Rodone is making me eat a lot of crow because he looked great and he's leading the league in strikeouts. I think last time I looked, but uh, yeah, Tyra Strada, maybe as like a middle infielder in a, a 15 team, maybe a 12, depending on, you know, your desperateness. And desperateness and the most important <laughs> thing about him is that he steals uh, bases that's why he uh, he has so much value right now Austin anything else you want to add about Tyro Estrada before we move on uh, the only thing that I'm worried about is in my opinion his swing percentage is low uh, he's swinging at right now he's swinging at 48.6 percent uh, of the pitches that are thrown to him um, that's his that's his swing percentage his outside the strikes on swing percentage is um, I mean we're only what 16 games into the season. Um, but his outside the strike zone swing percentage is 6% higher and his inside the strike zone swing percentage is 2% lower. Um, so that's the only thing that is kind of worrisome for me. His overall mm-hmm. contact percentage is 76.9%. So I, I feel like some of it, and but he is in a plus lineup. But the thing that gets me is, is he too patient to stash is, is, is my thing. So I don't know if I would necessarily be chomping at the bit for Tyro Estrada. I kind of found him to be a little bit too, a, a little on the aggressive side. So, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense for a guy of his stature and a guy who puts the ball on the ground a lot. Uh, he's at 60%. That's the big concern for me is the 60% ground ball rate and the low hard hit rates, but that's what you expect from a a, a scrawny speedster. Right. So, I mean, that's par for the course, but I I thought he was more on the aggressive side uh, with those percentages. I think he's one of those like selectively aggressive, like, you know, depending on the count, I'd have to dig into it, but I think that's kind of more the hitter he is. Yeah, let me double check something here. So, uh, uh, please, is this Tyro Estrada? Oh, that, this is Marco Estrada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that changeup though was a goodie for a long time. Marco Estrada. Oh, you know, I'm thinking Marco Scudero now. Oh God, <laughs> another former giant. I, I want to say we talked about Marco Scudero for a long episode last year. <laughs> Why would we? I don't, I don't know. We, I think he just came up. Like, it was one of those. He just came up. All right, so Tyro Estrada career, he's about a 35% outside the swing strike zone percentage and 49% swing percentage. So that's 2022, that's right right in his career uh, mark. Uh, that's right in his career mark. So it's, it's, uh, it's nothing too alarming. Um, the contact rates are low, but I'm pretty sure they're low everywhere else in this yeah. wacky baseball league that we're in. So, but uh, no, other than that, I mean, I don't like him for obvious reasons, but hey, if you're desperate for stolen bases and you can deal with the low on base percentage from right now, have at it. Go ahead. Uh, we move on to the Phillies and Alec Bohm, who's owned in 54%. So we're only doing 60% or less here. And as of right now, he's uh, Alec Bohm is at 54%. And it looks like he's starting almost every day, uh, Austin. Uh, also hitting uh, at, at, the, uh, at the bottom portion of the Phillies lineup. Alec Bohm, former prospect. Do you like him or not? Um, I think I'm a little, I think I'm a little turned off on Alec Bohm because I had him, I believe last year and he, 
he tanked for me. Um, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not too high on Alec Baum, but I mean, he's got, I mean, his prospect report, he had a, he's up to a 70 hit tool, but right now he looks like he's rated at a 55. Um, so, but I mean, if you're rated at to be as he's got a high ceiling, yeah, so you could, you know, bank on that. He's going to turn it on sometime, but the Phillies, the Phillies are just disappointing, but that's a, that's also another plus lineup because you have Harper, you have, um, uh, Warburg, Schwarber. Schwarber, and you have, um, Castellanos. Castellanos, yeah. you, know, you, ha- you have a plus lineup, you have some protection around there. So it gives Bohm the opportunity to, uh, to up his game a little bit because they're probably going to give him some pitches to hit. Um, he's his ground ball percentage is at a, is at, about 53% this year. Um, fly ball percentage is right around his, it's 2% lower than his career mark. Um, I guess if you want to bank on potential, I would pick up Alec Baum. But um, I, I, like I said, I think I'm a little biased because Alec Baum killed me last year. So um, I'm not <laughs> super high on him, but I mean, his swing percentage and his contact percentage is higher than Tyro Estrada. So, yeah, I, I think most so people would rather Alec Bohm than Tyro Estrada, but yeah. obviously two separate positions one's middle infield, yeah. one's corner infield. But uh, the, other, yeah. the other thing is, I, I think he's uh, sort of in, I don't know if you want to say sort of in competition. I believe we talked about this uh, last, uh, last week or couple weeks ago is mm-hmm. Brian Stote has also been playing a little bit of third base or Stott or whatever you want to call him. I yeah. Know he, he, he lost out like that. That's why Bryson Stott is showing up on our most dropped list here. And I know we haven't got there yet, but oh, we're, not, uh, we, yeah, we're not focusing yeah. on the drop list. Boom has Boom has mainly supplanted uh, Stott. He, Cause they were just in a competition basically. And with Boom off to such a hot start, they, they've kind of given him the most run. Yeah, yeah, he's been up playing every day, like I said, almost uh, every day of the week here. So, uh, yeah, maybe this is the turnaround. He's off to a, a pretty surprising good start. I mean, he's hitting a 393 average, 417 on base percentage. Uh, so maybe he's turned around the corner. But like yeah. Austin mentioned, those uh, batted balls, that's a little concerning for a guy who's supposed to have a lot of power, a lot of pop in his bat. Uh, 53% ground ball rate. That's a little too high for my blood, but we got to love him for that ceiling. So we'll also someone that you should probably go out and get before it's too late. Yeah. And, and that average and everything is, is pretty much backed up Uh 375 expected batting average, um, 94.7 average EV, uh, mm. 53 and a half percent hard hit percentage. Uh, he's cut down on the strikeouts. He's always been a pretty good walk walks guy. Um, uh, so, yeah, as long as his defense isn't so intolerably bad that it takes him <laughs> off the field, he's, he's going to be in the lineup. Because, of course, you know, when they were playing the Mets, he had that three-error game. The cameras caught him saying, I fucking hated your language, but that was what he said. And then after the game, the reporters came up to him, and he actually owned it. He just said, yeah, yeah I, I said it. I, I was worked up. I was pissed off. And then the next day, he was back in the lineup. <laughs> as he walked into the box, the stadium, it wasn't a Bronx cheer. It wasn't like a, we're laughing at you. The, he walked into the box and got a standing ovation. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's kind of awesome. Like, you know, he owned up to it. The fans recognized he was being real and honest. And they gave him an applause. And he's gone off to this very quick, very hot start. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I also, I, 
you know, it's the Phillies. I also thought it, I'm still convinced it was more of a sarcastic cheer, but it was a nice moment. They, Alec Baum got a little chuckle and smirk out of it. So that was a really cool yeah. moment for him. And uh, who knows? Maybe that turned around his season. Yeah. I mean, that could have gone a whole lot worse too. If like oh, yeah. he had just BS'd it in the interview and then he went out there, then he would have just gotten showered with booze and then the cycle just devolves. <laughs> he could have gotten trash thrown at him. <laughs> oh, well, that's... Oh, oh, goodness. Um, I, I won't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> well, thank God he doesn't play for the Yankees because he would have gotten batteries thrown at him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I saw chance. a sock with some bars of soap getting thrown onto the field. What is this? Full metal jacket? <laughs> Austin. Uh, let's see. Let's. We, we're not really going to talk about all these players because we'll be here all day. So I'll give you a choice. We got either Jack Peterson Taylor Ward or Brandon Marsh, lots of angels here. Pick one player to talk about there. Um, I think because of the most potential to be the better of the three, I'm going to go with Brandon Marsh. Um, Good I, choice. He hit Good a home choice. run last night. I saw that. He did hit a home run last night. Um, I, I would, out of those three, I would go with Brandon Marsh. Um Jock Peterson strikes out too much for my taste. He, and he is very, very streaky. Taylor Ward has had his chance to be good. Now he is off to pretty good start. I believe he's hit a couple home runs already, but Brandon Marsh has the most potential to be, to be good. He's going to steal. He's going to steal bags for you. Um, right now he's hitting 306 with a 400 OBP and a 556 slugging. Um, he's got a 414 Woba. Um, he has two home runs so far this year. He did hit one last, last night. Um, his walk percentage is at 11.1% and his strikeout percentage is way down. It's yep. at 20% right now. Um, and his isolated power is up at 250. So this could be a chance. And I think what, um, is really going to help Brandon Marsh is, and I believe I said this a couple weeks ago, is the fact that they don't have Justin Upton anymore really helps out Brandon Marsh and his ability to be able to play on at least a semi-regular basis um, and being protected in the lineup with people like Rendon and um, Trout and Otani and, you know, bats like that around the lineup. And hitting is contagious. The the Angels are leading the league in home runs right now. Um, So I think Brandon Marsh has the has the best potential or has the most potential to be the best out of those three. And um, on top of that, he's, he, he, he'll at least attempt to steal bags. Um, Yeah. I think, uh, I think Brandon Marsh is the best out of those three. Uh, Hard to argue. The only problem I have with him is that he's, He's not playing every day. He's in a platoon system with, I don't know, who, who would it be? Joe Adele, maybe? Yeah, I, Adele, Adele and... Hello? It's me. It's me. <laughs> How oh, you God. been? No, 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 no. That's it. That's it. You are cut off. Don't, don't. Whatever. Hello that from thing. Riverside. <laughs> I don't want to be on this planet anymore. <laughs> you ever hear my original version they- of that? It's actually, I want another piece of pie. Oh, God. Go ahead, Austin. I think the other person that's playing in the outfield, I know Tyler Wade is eligible for the outfield. I don't know how much outfield he's played. Um, but, I mean, the only the only other outfielder they have on their bench that's in a platoon is Adele. So it would be Adele and Marsh. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping right that now Marsh... they, have Taylor, they have Taylor Ward as their yeah, starting he, right. Fielder. Yeah. He's been playing right field just about every day. Last time I looked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, <laughs> I feel if, 
I mean, Taylor Ward is off to a hot start, but I feel like if Taylor Ward falls off, that's um, that's going to be Marsh's Marsh's uh, position to take. Yeah, assuming he keeps playing like this and, and the uh, walk percentages are right in line with his minor league numbers. So I'm excited about that. You mentioned the stolen bases already. Uh, a lot to like here uh, for Brandon Marsh. Uh, anything you need to add there, Sean, before it, I it, ask you? It blows my mind that Taylor Ward's only 28. Because I feel like oh we, we've God. been talking about him. He was supposed <laughs> to be the uber-athletic like catcher. Yeah. And uh, now he's. it's nice to see him breaking out. He's... Super high walk rate, probably unsustainable uh, at, at that level, but he's not chasing. Did you say catcher? I remember him as a second baseman. No, uh, he's a, he he can he, play catcher. He, he used to, he's like an emergency time. catcher now, but yeah, yeah. Huh. I always thought I always saw saw the reports as him being a second baseman, but okay, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. He's a catcher outfielder. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he 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 basically plays everywhere. He's they've said his catching days are basically done, but in an emergency, he can yeah. throw on the tools of ignorance. But yeah, 99th percentile expected woba, expected batting average, uh, walk rate, all all in the 99th percentile. Uh, he's is this Taylor not Ward sw- or Brandon yeah, Marsh, ta- Taylor sorry. Ward. Taylor, Taylor Ward. Ward. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's not swinging, missing. He's doing that at an above average, you know, and then not chasing. Uh, that leads to a near 22 percent walk rate. Uh, that's that's solid, and he's got good speed. The speed has come down a little bit over the years, but he still has good speed. One stolen base so far this year. As long as he gets playing time, he could be a really interesting uh, piece. But Jock Peterson, I think, at the end of the year, it'll be over less plate appearances because San Francisco does so much platooning. But it yeah. could be like Lamont Wade Jr. last year, where his numbers are like really really good. But then you go back and you look, and it was only like four hundred plate appearances. But it was a really good 400 plate appearances. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Peterson 34 percent, Taylor Ward 21 percent, Brandon Marsh 42 percent. I'll have to agree with Austin here. I think out of those three, I would go with Brandon Marsh just an upside alone, and uh, the plate discipline is right there in with what I normally like from my uh, hitters. There. All right, Sean. Here's your question. I got three catchers for you. Three of them. Oh, one, two, three. wonderful catchers. <laughs> You've got to pick one though. So here we go. Zach Col- Zach Collins. Austin Nola or Jonah Heim of the Texas Rangers? Pick one. I really like none of those, but I'd probably would pick Heim just because okay. I like the I believe he's still a switch hitter. I think yeah, he's still switch hitting. Um he's off to a hot start. I, I don't think it's sustainable, obviously, but I I would probably just pick Jonah Heim because Zach Collins. Oh yeah, yeah. I, that that's just a part-time like one C catcher and then Austin Nola I've avoided like the plague uh, just because for some reason San Diego keeps wanting to play him they have Campuzano I mean like I don't know why Nola's still getting run but here he is they gave up a lot to Seattle for him yeah I just I'm not a fan of him it's Uh, a low it's it's the low yeah was that the Taylor Trammell deal uh, it doesn't yeah, matter. T- yeah, it pro- probably it was. It probably was. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, so Jonah Heim, what can you tell us about Jonah Heim then? Uh, uh, switch yeah. hitter, big bodied catcher. I was kind of worried about him. I, I liked him for a bit of a breakout. He's young, only 26 years old. Uh, and I was worried when they traded for Garver that he wouldn't play that much. Uh, he already has. Uh, he's only played in seven of the, you know, basically half the games, 25 plate appearances. Three walks to two strikeouts. Already has two home runs in those 25 plate appearances. 
So we'll see how he, he was a part of the he was in Oakland originally, and I think he was part of the uh, one of those deals. It was with uh, Chris Davis, the, the deal that brought Chris Davis the salary dump to Texas. But um, ah, okay, yeah, uh, I don't know. He's just younger. I believe in the potential a little bit more. He, he posted some pretty good numbers in the minors, especially the upper minors and AAA, where he spent a good amount of the last few years. Okay, moving on then. Let's see what else we got. Adam Frazier, speaking of the Mariners, Adam Frazier is now owning 42% of leagues. Uh, wasn't this guy supposed to be uh, a can't-miss, must-draft uh, player uh, back in March? I mean, I, I think he was supposed to because he got off to such a great start last year. And then once he got traded to San Diego, uh, San Diego he kind of just went back to being the normal Adam, very boring Adam Frazier. And instead of batting 330, he was batting 270. Um, <laughs> and this year he's 242, 309, 339 slash line. And guess what? That's still 1% above league average. Um, he not going to hit for power. And he's got one stolen base. I don't know. I guess you're just hoping that, he sticks at the top of the Seattle lineup and everybody else around him hits. Like, and I, he has, by the way, he's been hitting at the very top of that Mariners lineup yeah. every single day. So that, that's, that's probably the, the rub there. I mean, the rub. <laughs> his block uh, percentage is kind of low. It's at 7.4%. His K percentage though is low. Yeah. He, at, that's always been the type of hitter. So he's not, he's not going to walk, but he's not going to strike out either. He's yeah. going to make, he's going to make contact. Um, but the problem is, is, it, is it good contact? Is it, yeah, is it <laughs> no. good contact? That's the thing. Um, so, and by the looks of his average, I mean, average is down all over the league. So, um, I don't particularly like that, but what I do like is it seems like his, uh, batted ball percentages are a little more balanced than some of the others that we were looking at. His ground ball percentage is at 40.4%. His fly ball percentage at 36.5%. His line drive percentage is a little lower than I want it to be, 23.1%. But, um, you know, he, with, and it looks like he's spraying the ball all over the field. Yeah. With someone with, like Frazier, I think I'd rather them have a 60% ground ball rate than a 36% fly ball rate just with how – ineffectual the contact is but he has the ability to spray it around so listen man with someone with frazier i expect a lot of kelsey grammar references <laughs> they're calling again oh selix and scrabble legs good night seattle and no uh, but the other, austin brings up an interesting point because usually the guys who are able to uh have these uh what do you call it uh very deferring uh line drive ground ball and fly ball rates along with uh, being the ability to spray the ball all over the place, you know, having that 30, 30, 30, 30% of uh, pull center and oppo uh, spray chart. Those guys usually come with a very high BABIP, which usually is very advantageous to a hitter like Adam Frazier. And we saw what, what happens when he has that advantage. He is able to hit for a very high batting average. Well, for him, it is at 305. And it comes, you know, since most of his, uh, a high batting average for Adam Frazier also equals a high on base percentage, which should also help an on base percentage league. So that is what you would be waiting for. Other than that, this is a pretty boring player, but you know, it's just kind of funny that he's top of the lineup and can't take advantage of, uh, of his situation. Yeah. Coming into this year, he had a 313 career BABIP um, to go along with his 281 average. This year, that BABIP is down to 288, which with him hitting 
more fly balls than he ever has. It's not a shock. Fly balls usually decrease Babbitt pretty drastically. Oh, yeah. uh, he's down to a 288 Babbitt with a 242 average. Uh, the expected batting average, I believe, is uh, pulling it up uh, 266, and he's batting 242, so not that far off. Uh, like I said, I think he's better off not hitting so many fly balls with how light he hits it. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, 83 exit velocity, 83 exit velocity. All right. Uh, uh, wait, you know what, though? We go from one Mariners player to another. Before it gets too late, J.P. Crawford, owning 59% of leagues. Uh, he's the guy I use for uh, to let people know that we would be on uh, at the top of the hour. So let's talk about J.P. Crawford. Once, uh, what was he, a first-round pick? Yes, he was yep. first-round pick for the Phillies. Uh, kind of a bust of a player. And now he's kind of resurrected a little bit in seattle uh sean is he for real or is this just a flash in the pan uh performance here by jp crawford i mean i want to say we talked about him on one of the shows in the preseason and it was one of those like i I talked that i said that hey he had 169 hits was which was like upper third you know upper really probably less than that and i was like his batting average affects it more than you would think uh, he had a solid walk rate. He was batting towards the top of the Mariners lineup. Uh, this year, he's doing a lot of the same, you know, not striking out, walking a good bit. Uh, I mean, he's at a 14.3 walk percentage and has only struck out 4% of the time. That's one of the best strikeout rates in the league. Uh, he doesn't hit the ball hard. He's hitting the ball a little bit less on the ground, more line drives. That's all of a good, that's all a good thing. Um, and he's not whiffing as much. So, I mean, he's only 27. So another one of these guys who is a top prospect for what feels like forever, only 27. He's still in his prime. He's never going to be the power speed 30, 30 that a lot of people possibly projected for him, but that doesn't mean he's not a quality major leaguer, but being a quality major leaguer doesn't mean you're a great fantasy asset either. I think, (laughs) I think this is a guy who you would plug in at middle infield if you had an injury or something. uh, And he's not going to hurt you but he's not going to get you ahead either. Yeah, 81.8 exit velocity, by the way. That's a career low for him since they started keeping track of this stuff. So that's kind of concerning. But a 335 expected batting average. (laughs) Expected batting average loves those soft, like, 85-mile-an-hour line drives. It's the like the little over the infield in front of the outfielders. They love that shit. So what's Adam Frazier's expected batting average? I look at me. Quickly. It was like two. It was two sixty four, two sixty something, and he was batting uh, two forty four. Yeah, two forty two, two sixty six. You're right about. But that. Frazier's and, hitting more fly balls. Uh, Crawford's hitting more line drives. Interesting, interesting. Austin, let's move on to you. I have a question to ask you. Let's yeah. go with Sheldon. And how do you say Sheldon? No, uh, Noisy. I think it's noisy. Noisy. Yeah, noisy. Noisy. Something like that. Oh. I've heard it both. Ugly player, ugly name, but you're out there in the West Coast. Have you seen how much you just you just straight called him an ugly player? Have you seen the number of strikeouts he's had? I mean, that, that's uh, ugly to me. I mean, that's it's. A, it's oh, a I very thought you were just sh- saying he was like physically ugly. Well, the the, the jury's still out. I I haven't had a good look at him, and uh, uh, he, could, he could be pretty ugly. He, he could be pretty ugly. But no, really, it's uh, I just saw the, the images on the other screen here. But no, the, the thing about him is uh, he does come with a high strikeout rate from what I checked. But I don't know, maybe Austin can humor me a little bit. You're out there on the West Coast. What have you seen and heard about Sheldon Noisy? 
Um, not much. I mean, I've heard, I've heard a, a little bit about him when, uh, you know, he was a prospect in Oakland. He got traded to the Dodgers. He's now back on <laughs> Oakland. Um, but he, he was touted for a long time as a, as a higher prospect in the Oakland system. Um, it's not and saying much. <laughs> he was traded to the Dodgers in, um, I don't, I don't remember who they got. It, it was 2021. It was yeah. uh, the Adam Kalark and Cody Thomas to Oakland yeah. for Noisy and Varland, who I yeah. never even heard of Gus Varland in my life. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and he, he hasn't played much. He's mostly played in the minors. In 2019, he played 25 games for the, for the A's. He didn't play at all in 2020. And then he played 33 games for the Dodgers in 2021. So this is really his first taste of getting – you know, some start, some starts and some playing time, consistent playing time in the yep. majors because, and it's only because Oakland has traded away everybody and their mother. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, what I'm, what I'm looking at in his numbers right now, he's not hitting the ball very hard out of his 14 hits. He has 12 singles and he has 13 strikeouts. So what, what I'm seeing here is he's either going to hit a single or he's going to strike out. He is, he is, he seems like Joey Gallo with no power. Um, <laughs> Which is ironic because that was his calling card was that he could hit for power at the middle infield position. Yeah. And it's not, it's not looking that way. I mean, I'm looking at the minors right now. He started out as the nationals uh, in the nationals in the single a system. He hit one, nine, and then seven home runs respectively. Um, I mean, the only bit of power that I'm seeing is in 2019 triple a in 126 games he hit for 27 homers other than that all of his all of his home runs are in single digits um he's not i don't think he's going to hit for power um i think he's a contact joey gallo i i don't i don't what i'm looking at right now i don't really care for noisy or noise or whatever we're gonna (laughs) Go back noise. to this. <laughs> We're going to go to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Andy Samberg. Noise. Noise. Um, noise. See, I can, br- I can bring out the pop culture reference. <laughs> uh, chills. <laughs> chills. <laughs> <laughs> his isolated power is at .089, even though he's batting at a 311, 380, 400 um, slash line. I really don't see this as sticking. I think he's going to – I think this is kind of a, a flash in the pan. He's doing really well. If you want to pick him up for a week or two while he rides this hot streak, fine. But once he once he stops hitting the ball, get rid of him because I don't think he's gonna. I don't think it's gonna last. Okie dokie. Let's go on then to well at thirty five percent. Everybody's favorite player from that first week of the se- actually first day of the season, Seth Beer. Uh, Sean. Seth Beer. 35%. Uh, I would assume that his stock would have risen since that first week, but it looks like his, he's still widely available. Is this the last chance to get a Seth Beer before he blows up? Or is there I, a reason? I would think so. I feel like he's cemented himself as the, you know, their designated hitter. Mm. He's toward like pretty sure he's still towards the top of the league and batting average. If I could find it. Yeah, he's 16th at batting 375. Of course, there's like 20 million people and their mothers batting above 350 right now while everybody else can't hit a beach ball. But yeah, Seth Beer, I've liked since his time in the minors. Kind of reminded me 
uh, especially coming out of college. Um, he was really good at Clemson. He was really, really good at Clemson. Uh, just kind of like that Jordan Alvarez, the lefty slugger. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's probably overperforming a wee bit right now. I mean, but who isn't? That's doing really well. It's a small sample size. Right. But I, I think as long as he shows he can hit the left-handers, he's going to be in there every day. If he's not playing every day and he's only a DH kind of, he he's hard to roster and start, but if he's playing every day, it's not like he has a whole lot of competition in Arizona right now. Uh, they seem to be giving him all of the opportunities in the world. He's taking them and running with it. So might as well stick with him now. Seth beer, six, three, 213 pounds. So yeah, he fits the part. Yeah. He's um, like, he's just that built lefty and the geared swing, just kind of, Easy pull power, easy to get into in games. I saw I saw him play in Double A a little bit. Uh, I think he was coming off an injury and he just looked a little gimped. And I was like, yeah, I, I was hoping he'd be better, but uh, I'm glad to see him kind of getting it back on track. All right, I would then. I would like Go to ahead. petition. I would like uh-huh. to petition that Jake Berger, Paul Fry, and Seth <laughs> all be on the same team. I was looking for a third name, uh, and thank you for bringing up Paul Fry. Uh, Maybe we can uh, petition the new Nashville team. They can be the Nashville entrees, and we can put them on the – they can be all drafted in the expansion draft. <laughs> well, speaking of guys with big bellies, uh, not that Seth Beer has one. Oh, oh, the Mets are playing Arizona right now, and Seth Beer was on third base, scored on a sacrifice – or tried to score on a sacrifice fly – and Mets announcer Gary Cohen thought he was the slickest guy in the book because Beer went back to tag up and he said, uh, Beer chugs his way halfway down the line. Ah. And he said it. Nobody like Ron Darling kind of went, huh. but nobody really noticed it. And I was like, he thinks he's slick because he said beer and chugs. <laughs> it's a very, very starchy uh, broadcast booth <laughs> over New York. <laughs> Uh, well, like I said, uh, roll out the barrels because it's Daniel Vogelbach time. Also another first base. I, you know, I just looking back, I should have done Seth Beer, Daniel Vogelbach, or at Player X. But anyway, we're, we're too deep in. Daniel Vogelbach, everyday first, uh, actually designated hitter for your Pittsburgh Pirates at the very top of the line of the last few days. So they're going to go with that approach of, hey, he sees a lot of pitches and he can potentially get a lot of a high on base percentage. Austin, do you see it the same way uh, that the Pirates see it with Daniel Vogelbach? No, I don't. No, no. <laughs> but you're not impressed with the 311, 380, and 556 triple slash line? I mean, it's it's great, wonderful. Woohoo. But you're on the Pirates, and there's a reason why you're on the Pirates. Um, I just – I've never really cared for Vogelbach. I mean, there was that one year in Seattle where he hit for – where he hit 30 home runs or whatever it is. But other than that, I'm not – I'm not stoked about Vogelbach. Um, I mean, he'll, he'll get you walks, but he's going to strike out quite a bit, but he's just, he, he, his batting average is, is always been too low for me. I mean, he has not had a season batting average over 220 since his debut in 2016 with the Mariners. It's just, I do not until see this year. Yeah, yeah, he's batting 311. We're on a hot streak. And members of 311. 13 games. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see this. I would out of the two, Seth Beer or or uh, Daniel Vogelbach, I would definitely go with Seth Beer um, mm. over Vogelbach. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd probably nice do that too. But nice callback. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's funny with Vogelbach though. Is he was in the minors? He was a two eighty seven hitter. Yeah, and this year, I mean, we're seeing kind of a lot of the same. The like he doesn't swing and miss. He's not chasing. He walks a good bit. He works. He's almost too passive. We, we say this all the time with some of these lefty guys. Now, if I'm the Pirates, I, I know they're trying to do the whole big brain. Like, okay, big brain's probably a wrong thing to say with so many Vogelbach size. But like, bat him like second or third. Like, put like Key Brian Hayes lead off or Brian Reynolds lead off and put Vogelbach like in the middle. He's still going to get on base for other guys, but he can also knock some of them in. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've always liked him. I liked him in the minors. I liked him that year you're talking about. Ah, we're blinded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, I, it, all I keep hearing from Austin is that uh, with a three, even with the three eleven batting average, he is down, down on Daniel Vogelbach. Yeah. Huh? Three eleven. Oh no, that one. That oh god, Come that on. one. That one went past me, but I was like, I, I caught it like as it was going by. At least I'm, I don't feel as old now. <laughs> Come on. Ne- Nebraska's greatest uh, rock band of all time. Go back love. to Adele. <laughs> Hello from the no, no, don't go back to Adele. <laughs> I actually do use Adele computer for work. so. But no, I, I really liked, uh, I had Joe uh, Daniel Vogelbach in that 2019 season when he did have the 30 home run year, especially off to such a crazy hot start. And him and Yandy Diaz were like my platoon at first base. And it was the most beautiful thing in the world because I never started Vogelbach against lefties. And he was like leading the league in first baseman in that, like our point setting. And then I had to trade him. I traded him to Andrew and it was a very sad day, but you know what? You gotta, gotta trade guys, even though you like them. Like I just traded Paven Smith to uh, a member of baseball life uh, for uh, Drew Rasmussen, even though I had Rasmussen as a free agent, like two years ago, I picked him up and then dropped him because I'm an idiot. So it's okay, man. We forgive you. Uh, really quick, uh, just wanted to say Vogelbach, 83.9% contact rate from a big boy like that with no. a very patient approach. Uh, that is quite remarkable. I'm telling you, he has this one year or one or two years where he's going to bat like 300. And he's not going to run. He's not going to do anything. He might not even hit for that much power. But That's I think there's a strong. 300 season because, I mean, you don't bat nearly 300 in the minors over – However many games he he played a lot. He was down there for a long time, eight hundred almost eight hundred games. Like you're you don't bat almost three hundred for eight hundred games without, and you just become a two ten hitter all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that he's always shown very good contact, which is I know. really amazing for a guy of his stature and of I his think build. If, any, if anything, it could just be like a, a shift thing. There's more data on him in the majors, and he's gotten killed by the shift, which he yeah. has. But I don't know. Nah. Interesting. The other thing uh, that I'm seeing is his, his ground ball percentage is at 40 points. It's identical to his fly ball percentage. They're both at 40.6%. <laughs> so he's either going to hit it on the ground or he's going to hit it in the air. Like there is no line drives. He's at 18.8%. He's, he's either going to hit it on the ground or he's going to hit it in the air. So um, you're using fan graphs right now, right? Yeah, yeah, because there's always discrepancies. Because I'm looking at it right now. Right now, he's showing it should be the same for you as well. the The lowest ground ball percentage uh, since his breakout of 2019, which in 2019 he still only batted like 212, 
but he had a 33.7 ground ball percentage and a 28% line drive. This is the stuff I'm getting from Savant. And this year it's more fly balls, less line drives. Uh, I, I guess we'll see, but he's pulling the ball less. He's hitting it up the middle more. So yeah, he's kind of, he's I'm kind of beating the, too. he's beating the shift. Uh, Cause I just looked at his shift numbers. Yeah. He has a 450 Woba against the shift and they've shifted on him 84% of the time. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about Aaron Hicks? I was going to ask about him earlier. Cause I was kind of looking at him to pick up in a league. Um, but you know, I, I was going to ask, what do you guys think about Aaron Hicks? Because I mean, he's off to a pretty decent start. Um, he's, you know, making, he's making contact. I believe he's hitting at the top of that. I think he, they finally put him at the top of the lineup um, in what is a power driven uh, Yankees lineup, but yeah, just too injury prone. Like, you know, his injury history. I, I was going to ask, what do you guys think about that? I would pick him up simply for the potential of batting in front of Stanton and judge. Uh, because he's always been a pretty solid on base guy, but I mean, I'm not expecting him to hit. Uh, he had one year where he almost he pushed 30 arm runs in like 2018, but I, I just don't trust the health. I'm I, I wouldn't rely on Aaron Hicks, but you know, maybe if I had an open spot or something, I'd, I'd add him just yeah, as I've a always, curiosity. I've always liked them too, uh, but like you said, the injuries are always there and. Yeah, you mentioned he's been batting leadoff, but then the last two games the Yankees put him at the in the sixth spot. So there's no yeah. consistent. I mean, it, it, there's no consistent lineups. Uh, no, in baseball anymore like they used to be, unless you're Danny Vogelbach for the Pirates and you're batting leadoff <laughs> every game. But uh, I always liked him. I always liked the skill set. I always liked the, the the athleticism. I always liked the potential. He's 32 years old now, and the Yankees uh, they always have someone waiting to re- replace him. Uh, their players, I guess I should say. So. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you believe that he will come back with some power, like some legit power later on this season, then, you, yeah, you got to go out and grab him while he's still available before it's too late. Speaking of grabbing someone before it's too late, Nolan Gorman. Uh, I'm seeing oh, he a is lot. Off. He is on fire in the minors. Oh, he's I, it's stupid. I'm so happy that I picked him up in the Mardi Gras League because I'm like, I can't wait for him. And that's what I was going to get to right now um, was that a lot of the podcasts, uh, you know, everywhere, they're in love with Nolan Gorman. And right now he's at 34% ownership rate, but it just feels like he's about to, if you don't get him now, you might miss out on him later. But it, I mean, I gotta, we gotta ask, we gotta talk about this. Yeah. He's a really good uh, prospect, but what happens when he makes it to the Cardinals and you know how the Cardinals are. They love also flipping and flopping their lineup around and, very inconsistent here. Uh, Sean, how do you foresee the Cardinals using Nolan Gorman if he ever gets called up this season? I mean, one, he would be shoehorned to second base. He's not playing third with Aaron on the roster. If he gets moved to second base, uh, you start running into some issues with uh, Edmund and Edmundo Sosa. You'd probably see with how the hot start Sosa or Edmund's up to, and he's already back to batting leadoff again, despite he had a terrible spring training. You'd probably see Edmund go back to shortstop. Uh, Paul DeYoung, who's having a kind of solid year last I looked, he would probably get pushed to a bench roll um, or at least a platoon. But with Nolan Gorman, it's one of those, yeah, he's off to a great start. He's still striking out 31% of the time. Jesus Christ. And it, it, like th- this is like a, for sure a hot streak, but it's like Nolan Gorman is still Nolan Gorman. I mean, last year that was the impressive thing was, 
he had dropped that strikeout rate, but the power kind of went down with it. And he had dropped yeah. it to sub 20% for the first time in his minor uh, minor league career in AAA. You don't see that very often where like it just progressively gets lower and then you post a career low at the highest level of the minors. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's fool's gold at this point. People reacting to a very hot start. Um, but he's a guy who might have issues against major league pitching, if I'm being honest. Austin, you're excited for him. Do you agree with uh, Sean's assessment there, or do you, are you uh, uh, holding on to him all the way to the moon here, as the kids would say? I mean, I'm holding on to him in the Mardi Gras League simply because he is off to the hot start, and, I mean, he's the best prospect that I could pick up that wasn't Sixto Sanchez because I forget Sixto Sanchez. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when um, – I'm looking at the roster, uh, the roster resource right now. And I mean, the only thing, the, the thing that I, I agree in that um, he's not going to play third, he will probably play second and Edmund will be pushed out to the outfield. And in my opinion, that is either going to push um, Bader or Carlson into a, into a platoon role. Carlson is off to a terrible start this year. The other thing that I can see is they have Gorman as a DH because right now their DH is Corey Dickerson. Mm. Um, yeah, and, it's the, the what Dickerson Pujols platoon. Yeah. yeah. So I I could see them I could see them maybe um, throwing throwing him in as a DH um, so that he could focus on just hitting. Um, but because I, I, if you're bringing up Nolan Gorman this year, that's what you're bringing him up on is his is his brute strength and, and his power. Um, but you know it. I think with what they have, it's going to be really tough um, for him to crack an everyday start an, an everyday start the everyday starting lineup, um, unless uh, unless they just say screw it, put him at second base, or screw it, put him at DH. Yeah, uh, they're they're not going to call him up to have him just play half the time. Granted, that might be the best way to use him, kind of how the Mets did with Conforto in fifteen, where they just don't show him the lefties. And just kind of trying to get him acclimated. I, I, I think platooning him at DH, I didn't even think about that really, but that would actually be a, a good idea. They would just have to bite the bullet on Dickerson and either trade him, cut him, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I think he's off to a hot start. I think if he continues off to a hot start, they, they're going to have no choice but to put him up there. But you, you can't very rightfully, you can't, you can't take away um Edmund Edmund's off to a hot start um I'm pretty sure they don't want to get rid of O'Neal he's not playing third because Arenado's there that those are the only two that I see um happening well you know what this means um we'll just have to move to the outfield like everybody else like we've been talking about <laughs> but the, and their outfields jam crowded though <laughs> I, I, oh well Tyler O'Neal screw that guy <laughs> no Cardinals are a very good team, man. That's a that's a that's those are wonderful problems to have if you're a, a Cardinals fan. Uh, let's see here. We're trying to trying to figure out where I want to take this to, but I guess we the next um, let's call it the fringe for first baseman or former first baseman. I got Roddy Tayez, uh, Michael Chavis from the Pirates, or Hunter Doja of the Royals. Who Wait, who's play. who's the second one? You said Roddy Tayez. Michael, Michael Chavis. Chavis. Oh, Chavis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hunter Dozier. Uh, well, since Sean's already talking, Sean, uh, who would you want to talk about? Oh, Rowdy. Who, who doesn't want to talk about Rowdy? Uh, I, I don't know. Why do we need to talk about Rowdy Tellez? R- Rowdy Tellez is fun. 
Uh-huh. He he's he's like Daniel Vogelbach Jr. And they were on the same team for a little bit last year. Yes, they and uh, yeah, he's actually a good defender. He's playing a lot of first base. Uh, he's already plus two outs above average at first base, proving that big boys can play defense. Uh, routinely tops out in the max EV category. Has again this year. Um, he's a good hitter. Two ninety seven expected batting average despite his actual 227 average. So he is underperforming right now. Let's see the batted ball. Uh, he has a basically career low ground ball percentage right at 40%. Uh, he's pulling it and shooting it up the middle. He's not going opposite field like he had the last two years. Uh, so we'll see how he does. But Rowdy Tellez is a really fun guy. And that Milwaukee lineup really hasn't clicked yet. They've had a couple of good games, you know, the game where Yelich had a grand slam and there were a couple other home runs, but they haven't gotten on a hot streak. And I feel like when he gets on a hot streak, um, the rest of that lineup will kind of bounce around to the tune of Rowdy Tellez. Usually with Rowdy Tellez, since he's such a big guy, you mentioned he's a fun guy, but with him, he needs a lot of, he needs mushroom to run around. No, no, you're the one who brought it up, man. I'm sorry. Uh, Roddy Tellez, uh, yeah, uh, the only concern is that he's listed as uh, being a part of the platoon, but it is on the heavy side of thing. No pun intended there. Uh, Roddy Tellez, 642. So I'm so done um, with you. <laughs> uh, potentially, Keston Hiura might steal some of my bats and playing time uh, on the right handed side. Uh, no, hey, listen, they're not, they're never going to give up on Keston Hiura, <laughs> former first round pick. You know that once he uh, figures out, things then they're gonna be oh man we gotta we gotta find more more playing time for this guy when he figures out things i'm gonna be on dialysis (laughs) it'll be a long time from now (laughs) oh that's kind of red-blooded would you say that (laughs) (laughs) was he really a first round he was a first round pick who kihira yeah i I didn't know he was a top 10 pick a top 10 pick for the Brewers in the oh, yeah. June 2017 draft. I thought he was like a second or third round pick that just did really well. And he's still striking out too much. Uh, 36%. 36. Hey, but that's down from last year. So it's an improvement. <laughs> His walks are up 16%. <laughs> and he has absolutely no power. No, wait. Exit velocity, 94.7 miles. But come on. But how many fl- how, is he hitting it into the ground? Oh, right, let's see here. Is he Nick Magical is what you're asking? Oh, yeah. uh, no, I mean, I mean, he's line drives. Lots oh, okay. of line drives from Kessing okay. Huron. So maybe he's turning the corner here. Uh, and still striking out 36% of the time. Uh, man, you know what? Rome wasn't built in one day, man. <laughs> out of out of these three, I'm not going to lie. I'm not picking. I wouldn't pick Rowdy Telez when I'm looking at the three all together. Um, okay. I would go Chavis. Ah. I'd go Chavis because I'm, what I'm looking at on the com- on the compare feature there on fan graphs, Michael Chavis and everything that I've, that I've clicked on, average, OBP, isolated power, stuff like that, and all of it, Michael Chavis is trending up, whereas Rowdy Telez is, tr- is trending down. Um, so I don't know. Based on potential and what I'm seeing over the last few seasons, I would, I would go with Chavis based on it seems like he's going to be the most likely – to give to give me better results out of the three of those, um, Telez has has trended down, and Hunter Dozier. It seems like what I'm seeing on these graphs is you, you already know what you're going to get out of Hunter Dozier. What you uh, see out of Hunter Dozier is what you're getting out of Hunter Dozier. But right, Michael, right. Ch- Michael Chavis is trending up while Rowdy Telez is trending down. Issue so, with issue with Chavis right now is uh, weak side of the platoon. 
can and he, he's always struggled against right-handed pitching. So that that's he's basically platooning with Yoshi and Vogelbach right now at first. Yoshi. Yoshi. I was just thinking that too. <laughs> I knew the second I said it, somebody was gonna say something. <laughs> well, the thing about Shade is that he can also play other positions as well. So he can uh you know sub in for Josh Van Meter. Come on, Josh Van Meter better than I don't think he's better than Michael Chavis. And then and then he's not gonna you know replace Cabrian Hayes, but he could definitely uh uh start and give him a break every once in a while. I, I just, just well. I, when it comes to Chavis, I feel like he had so many opportunities in Boston. Yeah, that's and true. it was just they, they tried to get him going. They they tried so hard for like two and a half years, and it just never happened. And then Bobby Dahlbeck and that whole crew just supplanted him basically, and he was dead meat. All right, let's see. I want to get another theme going here. I want. I guess we could talk about some outfielders. So I got a couple of outfielders to name. Okay, maybe more as I keep going here. Wait, let me double check something. Does this guy qualify? Oh, many outfielders to choose from. Sometimes it makes me mad. Yeah, yeah. It almost makes me wonder why why drafted so many outfielders in the Mardi Gras League. I have six outfielders. Outfielders is always the easiest position to find on waivers. That's why I like, I'll draft like four in a three outfielder league or sometimes in a five outfielder league. Just I keep the five. And then if I need help along the way, then whatever. Like well, tiny here. brain can't handle too many outfielders. <laughs> yeah, and I and looking back, I should have I should have drafted more infielders. And but oh well. Uh, all right, here we go. Jorge Mateo, uh, Austin. Hey. Pick a, hold on, no, Austin. Pick one player: Jorge Mateo, Tony Kemp, Josh Naylor, or Luis Arias. Arias. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd I'd go with I'd go with Arias, um, just because. I have experience with him. I know he's dependable. He's he'll he'll give you average. The only problem that I have is for whatever reason the Twins will not put him in the starting lineup, and I don't understand why. Arias? Yeah, he 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 hasn't. I don't I don't believe he's in the starting lineup. I no. Yeah, he he's been playing a lot like all over the place. Has he? Because mm. it seems like they don't put. Maybe it was last year they didn't put him in the. I, either way, I I like Arias out of those three. I know. Um, uh, I believe we talked about Mateo a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you guys did talk about uh, yeah. when I was yeah. gone. You guys talked about him. I mean, Mateo good. has Mateo has speed, but I mean, I'm looking at it right now. He's batting 229 with a 220 with a 288 OBP. He ain't getting on base. You can't run if you can't get on base. So, well, I mean, his his average did drop uh, 30, no, 21 points in a one game or yesterday's game when he went 0 for 4. So we're still at that. He was batting 250, 270-ish over the last few games. But that's, we'll, we'll go, go back to Arias. I like Arias. I want to hear I, what your thoughts. I, I, I really like Arias in that he is going to give you average. He's going to be very consistent. Right now he's batting. Oh, 14 games. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, 364, 429, 477. So he's not going to get you a whole lot of power, but he will. I mean, he's going to get on base for you. He's at a 10.2% walk percentage to an 8.2% K percentage. And his his strikeout percentage has always mm-hmm. been low. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a points league and you have too many strikeouts, this guy is a good counter to that. This guy is going to be uh, um, um, good to... He'll get you a lot of positive points and not a whole lot of negative points in terms of strikeouts. So if anything else, if you are having a lineup that's killing you in strikeouts, I would pick up Luis Arias just just for that to kind of counteract the the, the problem with the strikeouts there. Luis Arias is someone that we have talked about 
a long time, Felipe. A long time. And now he's finally getting, you know, basically every day playing time. They don't know where they want to play him. Uh, He's borderline unplayable at third base. I was shocked to find out that in just, I think he has played how many games at third base this year? He's played five games at third base in 2022. Five. He's already at a negative seven outs above average at third base in five games. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's yeah. rough, but yeah, just, I mean we, uh, we remember going into the 2020 season, uh, the COVID year, and there was a Fangraphs article that me and Felipe talked about that Luis Arias had the highest probability of a 400 batting average season, like for, since like the 50s. It, it was like something crazy. It was, but and he ended up batting uh, what was his average that year? 321, and we like looked at that as a disappointment. And then he batted 294 last year. Obviously, I don't think he hits 364 over a whole season, but this is a guy who has 92 walks in his in 259 games and 92 strikeouts. And this year, he actually seems to be hitting the ball. I, I don't really – it's not hitting it harder, but he's hitting it in such a way, more line drives, more fly balls, that we could see more than just empty average from Luis Arise this year. So the 477 slug, uh, I might – expect that to come down to like 450 but a guy who's a 407 career slug if he slugs 450 that's a huge year for him oh yeah and uh i think uh our guy matthew nealon uh nyland sorry up in minnesota uh part of a baseball life member and he's in our league too austin minnesota, he didn't i'm sorry what i said minnesota don't you know that that's right don't i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but he did mention he did mention um, that the reason that the twins are very wary of Arias and that he doesn't play as much because he did bring that up is they're concerned about his knees or something to that mm-hmm. effect. So that's why they kind of try to preserve him. Uh, and now he did struggle to get on the yeah. field last year, it seemed like. So I, I think I know where you're coming from there. But right now they're finding a spot for him all over the place. So that that can only be so good. But as, as Sean mentioned, just because you're versatile doesn't mean you're good. Yeah, uh, the position you're feeling. And, and if we go back, you mentioning the knees, I had completely forgotten about that with him. But he was one of the heroes of the Baseball Life Rockies that we did on Out of the Park Baseball. And he was great for like five years. He would had 230 hit seasons, I think four out of the first five. And then he got hurt one time in the leg. And then he was gone. He I, he never came back. His ratings plummeted because he was didn't play for like two and a half years, and we were forced to trade him. But that first year, because he was batting in course field with like a ninety grade hit tool, and it was like three seventy seasons every year. And it was so much fun. But yeah, he he does have bad knees now that I remember. Well, if, uh, the, if Minnesota's ahead. concerned about his knees, are they concerned about his head and shoulders and toes too? Oh, you're getting into the act now too, huh? <laughs> You're a bad example, Felipe. <laughs> well, well, he's a teacher. I'm pretty sure he sings that song every day. Uh, right? <laughs> my, like, listen, I, uh, my middle school teacher used to sing that song to us whenever she saw that we were kind of uh, um, very uh, down Straying in the away. dumps. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Almost. Like, not down in the dumps, but, you know, not very enthused to be in her class, in her English class. Did you? Do I have to sing you guys a song so you guys can wake up from your doldrums? <laughs> Everybody get up. Everybody get up. And then. She would sing the song, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. And I tell you what, man, that, that would get our blood going. That would get our blood going. Didn't mean that we were better at being students, but definitely get our blood going. Woke me the hell up sometimes. 
<laughs> Catholic school, man. See, the Catholic schools, they can do stuff that the public school teachers can't do. That's just that's just how it is. Oh, oh my dad has he he spent all of one year in a Catholic high school, and that was enough for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are almost we actually made it to the end of the list. Uh, <clears throat> so let's see. Let's quickly do the last four players I wanted to talk about. Um, that qualify under that that sixty percent ownership rate. Jonathan VR, Sean, your favorite player. Oh God, I, um, I saw he had a big game yesterday. Everybody had a big game. Yeah, yesterday. yeah. yeah. And it, how, like, did they end up subbing out everyone from the, the lineup? Because that's usually that's how that game usually goes. Is like every starter gets comes out of the game just about. You had Cuff fans talking about how we're going to get Alfonso Rivas more at bats. Hey, I actually played Alfonso Rivas in several of my. Um, daily fantasy uh betting sites and i didn't know that, rivas was on the team i thought they were talking he, about luis rivas no they had just called him up i think before yesterday's game he's been up and down a couple of times because yeah, he had a yeah. really good spring i want to say rivas did for the cubs mm-hmm. out in arizona but he was the cheapest third baseman available and i was like yeah he's gonna have a game and i had him in a couple of them i didn't make any money but i, I won a couple of them i lost my big ones though so that's no fun well, Jonathan VR, man, still doing Jonathan VR things for the Cubs. He's playing all over the field. He's probably going to qualify at three or four different positions. What does he qualify at the moment? He qualifies according to CBS. Okay, only third base and shortstop, but he does play some second base as well. Uh, how's he doing this season? He is in field. Uh, no, well, we don't care about that right now. <laughs> um, so he doesn't. So he hasn't been producing like in terms of the power numbers, and uh, he has zero home runs, one stolen base, which is. That's not why you get uh, Jonathan VR, but strikeouts are down. He's hitting 350 with a 391 on base percentage and a 400 slugging percentage. Uh, let's go over to the standards. So where, where's this power coming from? He only has two doubles, but uh, you know what? Uh, he's, he's just hitting everything in sight right now at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, and still don't like him. Huh? Okay. How about this career high exit velocity at 91.7 miles? An yeah, hour. That, that is, that is something. That uh, is something. Hard hit rate is also way up there. So, uh, but yeah, uh, it's Jonathan VR doing Jonathan VR thing. So Jonathan VR is a guy, and I've been saying this for years. He's, he's good in fa- he, he's a good fantasy player, but uh-huh. he's like a good starter on a second division team. Like that, the Orioles, yeah. yeah, like the Orioles, the Mets last year. <laughs> I mean, because the reason the Mets ended up where they were last year was Jonathan VR and Kevin Pillar both had over 400 plate appearances, and I said that from the very beginning. Like, if those guys have to play a lot, things are not good for the Mets. And Mets fans were like, no, Jonathan VR is awesome. He's exciting. Like, he hits home runs. He steals bases. And I'm like, yeah, and he gets thrown in at third every, like, at least once or twice a week. Like, it, no, it, like the, he's the most infuriating player. There's a reason that always got rid of him after a, a career, basically his second career year. Um, yeah, pretty well, much. I have, a, I have a question. Do all Mets fans sound like Mickey Mouse? No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Mickey Calloway. <laughs> was that really? Was that really? No, they all sound like Mickey Calloway. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you got to realize that Jonathan VR, he plays everywhere. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that was uh, no. And that was the thing was they were like, oh, Jonathan VR is such a good third base defender because Keith Hernandez in the booth is like, oh, VR is such a great defender. And oh, my God, he's been never been a good defender. He man, still isn't. Careful now. That's I test Keith Hernandez. They're talking <laughs> Better calm your tits. Well, there, well Keith Hernandez, he got his tits lit, but no, he like Keith Hernandez is a sixty-eight years old. He can't even see the field. Come on now, <laughs> hey man, that's a nineteen seventy-nine MVP. You better recognize he, he made out with Elaine Bennis on Seinfeld. Co MVP. 
Oh yeah, who was the other guy? Was it Stargill? Uh, Stargill. Oh, Stargill. Oh, okay. The We Are Family uh, Pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when, back when the pirates were relevant. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody told me like, this well, is like it, the anti-Pittsburgh podcast episode. Yeah, they bring it on themselves, man. They bring it on themselves. They, they, you know what? Change your narrative. That's what. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, who, who was it? Somebody brought that up. Uh, something. Somebody brought up like, hey, man, something about fantasy. Their teams being so bad. Oh, it was Larry, wasn't it? Like, yeah, uh, no, I know what you're talking about. He says he's gonna tank like the Pirates, and yeah. you know, and he pissed me off so much. Well, it's a free league, and everybody makes the playoffs. You know what, man? I don't like your attitude. I, something to that effect, and I go, you know what? I would have, I would have been good if you would have said the '92 Pirates, but you're saying <laughs> the actual current Pirates. <laughs> no, Larry, no, we don't yeah. do that here. Uh, next guy up, I want to talk about before we call it quits, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, kind of having a, some sort of a renaissance up in Milwaukee. Um, and I use that term kind of loosely, renaissance, but he's been getting some play. It, uh, Austin, do you see any any good things coming from Andrew McCutcheon this year? I, I've always liked McCutcheon yeah. um, just because, I mean, we know what he can bring to the table um, from, when he, from his days when he was on the Pirates. He's 35 oh, years old. I mean... Yeah, he's been, he hasn't been in Pittsburgh since, you know, 2018, but I, I, I've always liked, I've, I've always liked just because he, he knows how to handle himself on the ball field mm. and he still has had in, you know, past his prime, he still has had above average seasons. Um, he's still, he still walks at a good clip. He, you know, he strike his strikeout percentage kind of goes back and forth. Um, I think, you know, he kind of loses his swing and then he comes and then he brings it back. But I, I've always liked Andrew McCutcheon. So if it seems like early in the season, Andrew McCutcheon has kind of found, uh, found his swing a little bit in Milwaukee, that Milwaukee lineup has not put it together yet that um, it's kind of, it's kind of struggling offensively, which I kind of saw coming because last year it was not great either. Their pitching really carried them all season long. Um, but I've always liked McCutcheon. Would I, would I have him as like my first choice waiver wire pickup? Probably not, but I would consider him. Yeah. I, yeah, I would consider him. All right. Let's quickly move on to the next guy. Max Stassi. Let's go with you again, Austin, since he is an angels player, he's a catcher 31 years. Jesus, 31 years old already. God damn. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, you look at his stack cast numbers and you look at the sliders it's a lot of red. Mm-hmm. And then that one thing that's very um, disappointing. Swing and misses. Very high strikeout rate. But do you believe in Max Stassi being a viable catching uh, option in fantasy leagues this year? Defensively, yes. Offensively, <laughs> no. Um, I do not. Um, I mean, he had that one good year in, uh-huh. 20, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, was it 2020? Yeah, 2020 he had a, a good year. Um, but... Other than that, I mean, in 2020, you're looking at, I'm looking at it right now. His walk percentage was the second highest in his career and his strikeout percentage was the second lowest in his career. But then I said, after that 2020 year, I said, I don't trust one good year. I need to see another one. 2021 came around 8.8% walk percentage, 31.7% K percentage, which is more of what you see from Max Stassi, right? You, and he will hit for power, but that's his problem is he swings and misses a lot. Um, I, when, when he hits the ball, he hits the ball hard, 
But that's mm-hmm. the thing is, when is he going to hit the ball? There are stretches where he does not hit the ball um, at all. And I think he's in the Angels lineup simply because he um, is a very good framer. He's a very he's mm-hmm. a good defensive catcher, but he's a very good framer um, for the Angels. He handles he handles that pitching staff pretty well. Um, but offensively, I would not trust Max Stassi. And all this talk about Goodyear makes me realize how much I let Pirelli tires. Last guy we're going to talk about here, Sean. <laughs> he, he takes two weeks off and he comes back with this. Oh, goodness. He, he what happens when get I'm it off? out of his system. It's been uh, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, you guys missed two weeks worth of jokes uh, <laughs> of uh, zany God. references here. Uh, Eric Hosmer, I saw him play last night. Uh, did not look too good. Uh, <laughs> it was it was before last night that he stopped looking good. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen uh, him play on television like that. Uh, there, there was this showcase game last night, and he went 0 for 4. Good. That guy that got rocked in the face last night. Ooh, somebody uh, who, got rocked in the face. Who was the, that? At the, at the Padres game. Who was that? The, oh, Do- yeah. the, the, the Dodger fans and Padre fans were fighting in the stands. Oh, oh. And yeah. The, the, wait, wait, who are they playing? The Dodgers? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that happens all the time. Yeah, it San happens Diego. all the time, yeah. but they, they caught a video, and this Dodger fan came in with a he, – he hit him hard. He went down on the ground. I was he like, yeah, that don't, that don't look good. Yeah, well, Dodgers have a – Cue the, grand, the, the GTA wasted. <laughs> wait, so was that the Dodgers attacking the Padres fans? Um, I'm not sure what started it because it starts with, it starts with the Padre fan putting up his hands and going, let's go, let's go. And then in, and then in 10 seconds, he ends up on his ass. Yeah. So, Cause the Dodger fans have a, have a reputation. I'll tell you that much. They have a reputation of, uh, of getting into, uh, all types of, uh, fisticuffs. Com- fist- yeah. Thank you. Fisticuffs, uh, <laughs> against opposing fan bases. So an heresy. Yeah. So Eric Hosmer, <laughs> Eric Hosmer uh, looked bad last night, but he's actually looked good, uh, pretty darn good all season long. Still only owned in 31% of league, Sean, hitting 358 with an on base of 382 and a slugging percentage of 472, uh, and has no home runs to show for it so far. This might be the freakiest uh, batted ball profile I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Ground ball percentage 51.2, fly ball percentage. 2.3%, a 32.6 line drive percentage in a 14% pop-up. A 2.3 fly ball percentage? Have you ever even seen anything remotely like that, even in a small sample size? I don't know, man. I only use Fangraphs. Fangraphs has I mean, no, this is this, 6%. Yeah, this, this is some, well, I think they combine the fly balls and pop-ups. Baseball Ooh. Savant does pop-ups as it's no, own. No, no, they don't. No, I'm on Savant. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm on Fangrass, and I've never seen that low because I'm oh, oh, Fangrass. Oh, I don't, I don't oh. know how, how Basil Savant does her things, but uh, it still looks weird on, on the Fangrass site, only being at 18.6%. But yeah. uh, at the Fangrass website, according to them, Eric Hosmer's uh, pop-up rate is 37.5%, which is just atrocious. And it's amazing that he still is able to hit for a very good batting average despite the very high on uh, I mean, pop-up rate. Yeah, when you when you have the 32-minute, or savant-wise, 32% line drive rate, that could buoy you a little bit. Mm. He is um, he is kind of hitting the ball hard. At, well, at least he had the hardest hit ball in the game last night, and guess what? 
it was an Eric Hosmer ground out, so nothing has really changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's Eric Hosmer's swing, though. So if anybody was to have that batting profile, I would guess it was Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer has a very line drive centered swing. Um, so he's going to hit a lot of balls on the ground. He's going to hit a lot of line drives. He's never, in my opinion, he's never been what I would consider a prototypical launch angle swing power hitting first baseman. He's right. way more of a line drive type of guy. He's mm-hmm. going to hit the ball in the gap. He's going to hit the ball where they're not, and he's going to get on base. Um, yeah, he's going to run into a few and hit very low flying home runs, but he's not going to hit that mammoth homer because his swing is very level and it's a line drive swing. So, you know, if anybody was to have that batting profile, I would guess it would be Eric Hosmer. So it doesn't surprise me as much. It is weird to look at in the launch angle generation that we have now Mm -hmm. and everybody's popping it up. So you don't see very many of these line drive swings, but with the swing that Eric Hosmer has, I'm not surprised. But is it good for fantasy baseball purposes? And uh, is it, I mean, I'm really, I'm surprised his, um, I mean, obviously it's a small sample size and whatnot so far this year, but his average exit velocity is way down. Like even when he was in his bad years, uh, 2018, like basically the entire Padres contract, he was over 90 and a half miles per hour on average EV. Granted, a lot of that was right into the ground and his actual fly ball line drive EV, which I think is more important than just average EV, uh, was always on the lower end among first basemen. But uh, yeah, I'm just going back and looking at his page and remembering that first year in San Diego where for an entire year, an entire year, he played uh would have been 157 games and he had a negative launch angle over 157 games wow uh expect the wall about 327 so uh yeah lots of flukiness going on with eric hosper this season so i i guess i would say no he's not worth a look or an ad the only time and i've said this about hosmer for a long time is like he's a compiler he's on the field like you're not going to get the best production but that lineup right now feels really underpowered without tatis in it and everybody else is just kind of milling around waiting for tatis to come back like they're all lost little puppies (laughs) but it's like when you look at the lineup, i I like some of the names that machado's having a good year i like trent grisham but jake cronenworth is kind of so-so this year and I don't he know. He busted it's... out last year, man. He busted out yesterday. He busted yeah. out yesterday. Oh, he did. He okay. A, he had a home run against uh, Tyler Anderson. I mean, um, if you're like screwed at first, if you had a, I don't think there's any major injuries at first base so far. But like Eric Hosmer, if he's available, then yeah, I'd pick him up just because I know he's going to play every day and I'm going to get some runs and RBIs. All right. Let's quickly move on to the most drop. But uh, okay. So here we go. Um, I know I said we weren't going to do it, but we have a little bit of time left. Uh, Sean, pick a player from the most drop list just one player who you want to talk about in 30 seconds go ahead uh lane thomas uh he does not need to be being dropped right now he's actually getting moved to the top of the lineup i would like to say i think he's been there the last three games they have moved cesar hernandez out of the leadoff spot and of course this could be nothing but lane thomas batting in front of juan soto nelson cruz and josh bell is a very good thing wait lane thomas is one of the most dropped players in the uh, yeah, he was the, at the very bottom. He was 17 to 14. Oh, oh okay. 14%. So he needs yeah. to be just more owned than either of those 17, 14%. Oh, fascinating. You know, we, uh, I, I refreshed this thing right as we were starting. It's amazing how things quickly change in this fantasy game of ours. Uh, Austin, same question to you. Pick a player on the most drop list you want to mention. What's the matter with Art Warren? I know he's hurt, but how, how long is he out? I don't know. I, I was, uh, 
You got Art Warren too? I don't have oh I, we're talking hitters, 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 hitters. Oh hitters. Not, pitchers is another week next week. Um let's see. Uh Kyle Higashioka is definitely not the catcher for the Yankees. Um I would definitely um I would definitely expect I don't know. It's the Yankees. They seem to like to stick with people that, that are not great until it's very obvious that they're not good. I mean, I, I, I would, I would much rather invest in Jose Trevino than Kyle Higashioka, but I mean, so I think he rightfully should be dropped. He's for, he went from 23 to 16. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of players I'm looking at on here. I'm like, yep. Yep. Should be, should be dropped. You know, but yeah, I think that's the one. Jonathan Scope, I think, is really interesting. Is he really having that bad of a year? Uh, let's take a look. I, I'm not, I honestly don't know. Uh, but he's so far, according to the numbers here, um, yeah, 148 average, uh, 207 on base percentage. That's why I don't like, you know, going after him too heavily because I know he's going to get dropped anyway. But then you see these numbers and like, darn, dang, man. But Oh, and then Sean, we, we talked about we talked about him earlier. Josh Lowe dropped four percent. Yeah, Josh Lowe is uh, not having a good time right now. A lot of my players are not having a good time. A lot, I see a lot of my players are on this on the most drop list, and it's kind of uh, just kind of uh, screaming inside. You guys can't hear it, but I am definitely screaming <laughs> inside my, myself. I got two guys, Glebar Torres and Jaime Candelario. That was in the Mardi Gras league, but I also. Uh, those are guys on the baseball life league that I'm holding on to dear life for, but I'm going to have to make some tough decisions coming up soon um, as I, I can't keep uh, riding that train for too much longer here. So, uh, but uh, anyway, that's the, that's it. Uh, Sean, any last words before we uh, call it a night? Uh, no, I'll see you guys next week. Austin, same question to you. Any last words? Uh, go check out my episode, my latest episode around trippers. And uh, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at round underscore trippers. Other than that, have a, have a nice weekend, everybody. As always, we are here every Sunday morning uh, at the Facebook uh, baseball life group. Go check us out there and uh, check us out on Twitter. Sean has a Twitter. He'll post all our Twitters on the uh, audio only accounts. I, I can't remember the Twitter accounts at this point, but let's call it quits for Sean Austin. I am Felipe. We'll see you guys next week. Adios. Adios.